lot of pay per views this past weekend. AEW Revolution. You know, some I saw said it could be one of AEW's best pay per views uh, they've ever done. I don't know if I'd go that far. I maybe still have a couple ahead of it, but uh, all around great show. So we're gonna do a review today for that show, and we have part two of trivia. We will first go to Chris for the Omnis Day, but welcome everybody, welcome back. We really appreciate it. Some exciting things happening. And uh, yeah, we're back to talk wrestling again, so AEW Revolution. But Chris, first to you, to the On This Day. All right, On This Day, this was March 8th, 2010. It was an edition of Raw. So we are on the road to WrestleMania 26 at this point in time. Uh, good episode of Raw here. First match, kicking it off. We have a, a six-woman tag team match. It was Eve, Kelly Kelly, and Gail Kim defeating Maurice Alicia Fox and Katie Lee. Was that the first match? Mm. That was the first match. First yeah, that's wow, how Ross start. started. I'm guessing that might have been a promo before that. But yeah. second match, for those that remember Show Miz. Of course. Show Miz was in a tag team match against John Morrison and R Truth in a no contest. So that was 36 seconds. Wow. The, the oh, this is match, definitely a Vince show. The, the next match, we have a two-on-one handicap match. We have Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase defeating Randy Orton. Wow. For those that remember, that was a triple threat match at Mania that year. Yeah. We yeah. have Evan Bourne defeating William Regal in a Money in the Bank qualifying match. That match was okay. one minute and 28 seconds. Wow. Shit. And in the main event that night, it was a five-on-one handicap match. It was Drew McIntyre, Jack Swagger, Mark Henry, Vince McMahon, and <laughs> Vladimir Vladimir Kozlov defeating John Cena. Oh my <laughs> god! I thought this was going to be a good episode. Oh, I'm trying right. to. I'm. Why do I not remember that main event? Me either. Me either. Me I remember Vladimir Kozlov had a lot to do with Cena. Did did Cena end up pulling through and winning? No, he lost. He lost. It was okay. No DQ. It was no DQ. But there was a dark match that night after the show in which John Cena and Triple H defeated Batista and Sheamus. The dark match was the best match on the card, which is very By far. Yeah, that seems like a good match right there. So yeah, March 8th, 2010. Monday Night Holy shit. Wow. wow. I One of the worst years of wrestling. When you, said it, when you said it was going to be a good show. No, definitely not. I try to pick different ones. Uh, I try to pick bad ones. Yeah, when you said tw- when you said 2010, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be hot, hot garbage. I know 2010 was not good, but... Damn. That mania wasn't bad, but I guess no. the build the build was terrible, I guess. Ooh. Yeah. Well, from this week's Raw, we are definitely uh, off to... An even faster paced start. I think they got a lot of loose ends tied up this week uh, in pushing yep. feuds forward. So we're going to do our Raw review. Uh, we'll have that out Friday um, with some other stuff in that episode as well. But tonight, we are focusing on the pay-per-view, so AEW Revolution. So first match, oh, let's go to overall thoughts. Overall thoughts, guys, on the pay-per-view. I mean, like I said, I, I thought it was very strong and... What I will say, highlighting a lot of the young talent in AEW, their homegrown folks. Uh, also, you know, I rat on them, and I'm sure people will, will come for me, but uh, their storytelling hasn't been the strongest. But I thought this this pay-per-view had a lot of strong storytelling in the ring as well, so I really appreciated that. Yeah. Something we I, can always I, count I would... on is definitely the match quality in AEW. I mean, that's always going to stand out compared to WWE. 
we had some matches that we've never seen before in AW. We had a Buried Alive match. We had an Iron Man match. Um, we did have a, another Trios Championship match, which was a great match. We just had so many, um, so many cool spots during the night. And like you said, the storytelling in ring was a lot better that night, which I really appreciate. But yeah, overall, I mean, it's probably definitely a top five AEW pay-per-view of all time. Um, I'd give it like an eight or a nine out of 10 though. I think it was really good. Yeah, I would say it's probably like eight and a half or so. Um, they had a good combination of like storytelling with, you know, Ricky and Chris Jericho, MJF, Brian Danielson, Jungle Boy Christian. So they had a good combination of that. The in-ring work has never been the issue with AEW. Like as far as in-ring, they show out every single pay-per-view. And as they should, because you only have four, actually probably four or five pay-per-views every year. So it's like you got to be able to show out, which they always do. So I was impressed by it overall. Yeah, so in terms of the matches, so we did have one match on the Zero Hour pre-show. And that match was Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Brothers uh, against the Varsity Athletes and Ari Davari. So I, I thought that match actually was pretty good, and I was actually excited there was only one match on the pre-show card. So it was a very interesting pairing, uh, Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Brothers, but they actually worked really, really well together. I don't know where Pac is right now in terms of his uh, where he's at in the process with AEW. I guess there was, between him and the Lucha Brothers, I guess, and even Kenny at points, some visa issues again with, with things going on. So maybe Pac is wrapped up in that. I'm not too sure. But he seems to have like frequent breaks at times as well. But that match was fun. It was an entertaining six-man tag. And I thought uh, even the varsity athletes looked pretty good at times. So, you know, in terms of the in-ring, they definitely did good work. In terms of the winner, so Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Brothers uh, went over here. What I will say is if Mark Briscoe is in any matches, I think he's going to be the one going over in most of these, uh, I think, in the, in the near future, which... You know, we've talked a lot about this, too, in terms of it must be tough to be in there right now. And some people move on faster than others. But, uh, you know, hats off to him. He, he's he's doing what he loves, but it, it's got to be tough. Uh, but good match. And, you know, I'm a, we're, I think we all are huge Lucha Brothers fans. Uh, I think Ray Phoenix could be one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. And for some time, just in terms of the quality that he brings to the ring. So, you know, I want to highlight them. And I, I think it's a good opportunity to highlight them. Interesting that it's a pre-show match, but hey, I I mean, at least we still got them on the card. Yeah, they definitely, definitely, I definitely want more from them as far as like on a main card, not a pre-show. I just think they're they're stacked with tag teams right now. They don't have enough for everybody, but yeah, it was a great match. Yeah, I second that. Very good match, very entertaining. In terms of the next match, so the opening of the card Mm -hmm. was, I think, a solid a solid pick, honestly. Ricky Starks versus Chris Jericho. I was intrigued to see which one match would open, and I think this has a great story, and it gave you a great opportunity to have a match that you know has a really good story and to start the show off right. It seems like obviously they trust Chris Jericho, but they seem to have a lot of faith in Ricky Starks. So this was something that I, I thought was a good match. Not you know not Chris Jericho is not going to put on your you know, your banger type match in terms of that, but he did really well. One thing I'll say though, AEW still to it, to this day seems to <laughs> overlook the rules they set for themselves. So the fact that Sammy Guevara came out when the JAS was not supposed to be out there yeah. is a little bit alarming. Like 
you kind of avoided the stipulation that you had for the match. So that was kind of shitty. But Ashton Andretti, you know, took care of him really quickly. But I just thought that was, you know, they obviously they wanna wanted to get Jericho, you know, potentially with a near fall to kind of beat Ricky Starks as Chris predicted that Jericho would go over. Uh, you know, it it very much looked like they were setting up for that when he was, you know, getting the bat and, and about to hit Ricky Starks. So uh, but solid win here from Ricky Starks. And I think this elevates him and hopefully the feud is over with Jericho. And I think this elevates him, you know, even more. I hope he jumps right in with another person. I don't necessarily think he's ready for a title match yet. And I also don't want him to be because he's going to lose to to the champion. So I think, you know, if you're if you're projecting a year forward from now, you could have Ricky Starks go on a huge run, a huge singles run for this next year. And maybe that's your main event of revolution for next year. It's MJF versus Ricky Starks with Ricky Starks taking the title from him after this year-long run that MJF is probably going to have. That's the match I think you can build to. There's already past tension there. They had the stuff going on with the Dynamite with the one match. So this, and at Winter is Coming, he lost. So I think this would be an opportunity for them to really build Ricky Starks. You know have some single feuds that he doesn't need to chase a title at this point, but I thought the match itself was good. And in my opinion, the right winner. Jericho reminds me of Brock Lesnar in the sense of he's either going on first or going on last. He's, he just has that aura about him in AEW. So I think this was the perfect match to kick off the show. And I did predict Chris Jericho winning, but Ricky Starks is the right winner. He's an absolute star, and he's going to be for a very long time, no matter what company he's in, whether it's AEW or he goes to WWE at some point. The guy's an absolute star, and he definitely deserves an AEW World Championship within the next year or two, I believe, as well. I mean, if it's MJF he takes it from or somebody else, he could be a top babyface in a company like AEW. For sure. I don't know if he'll necessarily draw the ratings like MJF or Chris Jericho or Kenny Omega. That's why they have to build him over yep. the next year. But if he gets to that point, he could be one of the top baby faces in the world. He gets such a good reaction. He's great in ring. He's great on the mic. I think the guy just has star written all over him. I he's think got this the was, pieces. he's got, got everything. Pieces. Yep. He's got all the tools that you need and he's still young. So he's only got plenty of time left to, to get it done. So, you know, I think this was a great match to kick off the show. Um, I mean, Chris Jericho at 50 years old, still doing moonsaults and all this shit. I mean, he doesn't get over like he used to (laughs) as far as that, but he can still put on a good match. And and I think Ricky's the right winner here. And this is only going to, you know, propel him even higher. Yeah. Yeah. To me, Ricky Starks is a perfect opponent stylistically that Jericho should be facing going forward. Like the guy's not that Jericho's at a point where he needs to be carried because he can still go at 50 plus years old. But having the smaller guys, the both athletic guys that can put on those type of um, athletic abilities are the perfect opponent for Jericho. I don't want to see Jericho win there with like a Samoa Joe or anything like that because those type of matches just don't do anything for me. What Jeremy mentioned with the Sammy Guevara, yeah, that part just didn't make any sense to me. And my one criticism, if I had to like nitpick, is I don't want to say as far as a botch, but there was a spot with the baseball bat where Jericho kind of expected Ricky to let go of his leg, and Ricky didn't really sell the shot to the ribs with the bat very well. Other than that, Ricky delivered like he always does with like the high-flying moves he does. So overall, I would say it was a 7 out of 10. Yeah. 
yeah. Jericho would be furious at you right now for saying botch. Says most <laughs> well, that's what that it is. was. <laughs> yeah. No else to call it. Live environment. It's a live environment. So he had him in that things. corner for so long waiting for him to let go and he's like tapping his leg, "Hey, let go, let go." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a a next man up type of feud for Ricky Starks. I'm trying to think of guys that, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing him maybe feud with Moxley or someone like that that he doesn't necessarily need a title but could still put on a pretty good match. Someone like Moxley who probably won't have anything to do now or potentially a Samoa Joe or someone like that that he would be able to at least get something out of. You know, Samoa Joe, it wouldn't be the best wrestling match, but at least he, you know, the feud would probably be pretty good in terms of the promo work and things like that. A feud that I think would be cool would be him and Adam Cole. But Adam Cole but, would be great. Yeah. I don't think... But Adam Cole's Adam got to win, too. Right. That's that's exactly True. right. Yeah. But that would be a sick feud. That would be that a would great be. feud. Uh, and we, I think I can't confirm, it's the 29th of March that Adam Cole will be back. That's the same night that All Access is debuting their, you know, the All Access TV show based on AEW. So he said he was going to be in ring that night. So I believe it's the 29th or something like that of this month. Um, so that was a good opening match. Uh, that, leaded, that, that led into... Uh, Jungle Boy against Christian in the final burial match, a.k.a. basically a casket match. It was not really anything different besides that. I guess, so when he, uh, when the eventual winner put him in the casket, the casket like dropped, it seemed like into the abyss, so he had no idea where the fuck that was going. But uh, another good outing from Christian, man. Christian... Still, like at the, at his age again, it's similar to Edge, but great feud, and they got stalled a bit because Christian got injured. But there was still plenty of emotion in this match for me. Plenty of great spots, very physical the entire time. I thought this match dictated a very physical, very meaningful. Everything about it was really just around that theme, and I thought that's what the called the feud called for. And they really delivered on that. Christian really delivered on that. And, uh, you know, we had Jungle Boy going over in this match, which I think most people predicted. But it was still a match that, you know, brought some unpredictability to it. But also, like I said, in terms of the moveset, you know, Jungle Boy ended the end of the match with um, having to do the concerto, the one thing that he really didn't want to do in terms of being able to, to bury Christian, put that final nail in the coffin, per se. So I thought that was very good, like, you know, looking, you know, reminiscing on the past and, and looking forward to the future, what Jungle Boy had to do to get over Christian. I thought that was great. And he's gone through a lot. So this feud comes to an end with Jungle Boy going over uh, another good match. This, uh, you know, in ring in terms of delivered, they were both around 13 minutes, 13 minutes, these first two matches. Or yeah. was that the pre-show match? Yeah, it was, think... it was, it was, this was almost yeah. 15 minutes, but. They were both around 13 minutes, so they were both, like, you know, decently paced in terms of their timing as well. Yeah, I think this was honestly probably my favorite match of the night just because of how long this feud's gone on. And, like, I've wanted to see how it's going to end, and I think this is the, like, end to it at this point. But it was way more physical than I thought it would be. I mean, there were points where I thought Christian was legitimately knocked out from, like, (laughs) whiplash that he took on the barricade on the outside. And oh yeah, the barricade. That was that was ridiculous. I thought he was legitimately it's crazy. Out. 
And then, Jet. you know, J- Jungle Boy's family being ringside threw a lot of emotion into it. And like Jeremy said, the concerto at the end to deliver the final blow to win the match was the perfect way to end it. And it's funny because like Christian as a singles competitor in WWE, like when he was a mid- when he was at the mid card, I enjoyed him. And then when he went to like the world championship, I didn't really care. But like his run in AEW so far, I'm like all for it. I want to see Christian weekly. I want to hear him on the mic. I want to see him in the ring. I think he's like unbelievable right now for what he's yeah. doing. So I think that match was really good. It was my favorite match of the night. Yeah, shout out to Christian. Like he has him and Edge are so similar on so many levels with like they reinvented themselves. They came back from like a long hiatus where there's an injury or anything like that. Looks incredible. And as far as the promo work that he's a Christian has elevated his promo work to another level with this feud. Because they went to a whole different place with like how personal they got. And then in ring, like Christian took some crazy bumps in this match. And then on the offensive side, he was whipping Jungle Boy with that belt as hard as he could. Yeah. And Jungle Boy is tough as nails because he's not a big guy. And he was able to take those shots. And that concerto at the end, I didn't think Jungle Boy had it in him to do that because he hit him hard with that. I thought we were going to see a tombstone at some point in this match, to, to be fair. But... That's the only thing that would have like put the icing on. Don't yeah, tombstone in the main event. Hey, don't forget the spot on the steps when they. Uh, Yeah, that was creepy on the steel steps. Oh my god! Yeah, that was insane. Um, Highly physical match. I loved that match as well. One of my like probably my second favorite of the of the night with that one. So shout out to both guys for that one. Yeah. So it ended around fifteen minutes. Jungle Boy gets the win. He, I think this feud also ends. The last thing I'll say is a, just a funny note. Uh, Christian's attire here, he's wearing like a fucking turtleneck in the match. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, it just he knew there was a funeral that night. Yeah, he was actually <laughs> yeah. wearing all black. And Jungle Boy went out with like the Shawn Michaels look, like the jeans and the, and the boots. Very, very, very cool. cool. But yeah, Christian's turtleneck really just threw me for a loop when it came out. And I was like, I can't help but laugh at the guy, but he probably fucking loves that shit. Like, he probably did on purpose. <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious. Uh, the next match was my favorite match of the night, which was the Trios Championship match, the Elite versus the House of Black. And I also think, you know, selfishly, I think that was probably either the best or the second best in-ring match of the night. You know, obviously the Iron Man match we'll talk about, but uh, this match was very, very good. For a no-build, basically, three-on-three match, I I thought it, you know, it gave you everything in the ring. And what I will say, what jumps out to me quickly about this match that made me laugh very hard, and it's been a meme all week, is everyone's tweeting that Kenny Omega turned into 2009 Randy Orton when he gave the V-trigger to Julia Hart on the apron, (laughs) and she took it like an absolute champ. And, you know, it ended up being like one of the later moves in the match and ended the match. But in terms of spots and in terms of quality of wrestling, you know, these are some one of the best six guys you could put in the ring uh, against each other. I feel like the trio's belts have a lot of wrestlers that are just absolute quality in pretty much every match that they're in. And the House of Black, you know, I was very close to picking them in predictions. I did not, but I am not surprised they won. So I put I picked the Elite for one for this match. I'm not surprised they won, and to be quite frank, and I think Chris said this, 
they need to they needed to win this match. And I think it helps them set up some trajectory, even though there wasn't a huge build to this match. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I had House of Black for two. I kind of expected them to win. Like Jeremy said, they needed it. Because if they lose, where do we go from here? There's there's nowhere else for them to go. So they needed that win. They got the win. Those six guys in the ring, you expect them to put on a great match anytime. But they exceed expectations every single time. They every always time. one up you every do. match that they have. Kenny looked unbelievable in the ring. And he always does. But there was just something different about him that night where I feel like he had more pep in his step. He was looking quicker in the ring. He looked like he was in incredible shape. Um, and like <laughs> like you said, that spot on Julia Hart was just hilarious. Oh, and him not caring after with his facial yeah, expressions was, was priceless. Yeah, they just... It was, oh, well. <laughs> it was priceless. He shrugged it off and then got back into the ring. But oh. <laughs> it had, this match had the absolute right winners. The House of Black needed this. Um, I'm very happy that they won. I'm wondering where the Elite goes from here now. Does Kenny go on a singles run a little bit? Does do the Young Bucks go fight for the tag titles? Like what what's going to happen there? I'd love to see the Young Bucks versus FTR when FTR takes the titles. Mm. So maybe maybe that happens. But I mean, we'll see. But this this match was incredible. It was definitely probably the best match in ring of the night. Yeah, this was my favorite match of the night with Malachi doing like Black Mass, the V trigger to Julia Hart and Kenny just with I don't give a shit. They had so many. The chemistry is there. Brody King is for a big guy. He's also one of the most athletic, underratedly athletic guys on that roster. Like he was doing some moves where even I was like, "Wow, this is like Keith Lee NXT esque, like how big he is, but can move like a lightweight." These guys have so much chemistry with one another. So I feel like if you throw them in the ring a hundred times, you're going to get a hundred out of a hundred, a classic match. So well done to all six of these guys. They deliver like always. So two questions going out of this match again is where the elite go. Chris said that, you know, this seems to (laughs) stroke the fire a little bit for Kenny Omega potentially leaving AEW. So that's something to look out. I think in the future is, you know, I I said when we were watching live, I was like, if they lose, you know, those rumors are going to absolutely start happening even more than they already are. And I think the young bucks follow, but, uh, it's interesting. I, I don't know where any of these folks go from here. I'm interested to see who challenges next for the House of Black because it seems to be like, I guess they're a heel team, even though they do get cheered a decent amount. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe it's uh, Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends or something like that, that they do a trios run, just a couple feuds with. But I want them to continue to try and build up to these trios matches because it seems like it's you know they'll they'll pick a new new competitor every week you know in, in my eyes like you should be building that repertoire with the same team you fight them a couple times and you know you see how that feud goes whether they win mm-hmm. or lose it doesn't matter in my opinion but you build that continuity with that team and you have them face you know the same people a couple times you have them beat them and then they go on to another team another team such and such um, so I'm hoping they do that for the House of Black and a- able to really, you know, the Elite did a good job in terms of holding the trio's titles, but even they didn't have like a, a super long run after taking it from Death Triangle. So I'm hoping that they give the House of Black some time to really develop as their characters and also develop as a, as a trio. 
Um, right. Because we all know the in-ring stuff will be there. But it's about developing these characters now. Right. When you think about it, like, when you think of trios, you think of House of Black, Elite, and you think of the Death Triangle. Other yeah. than that, I mean, you've mm-hmm. got to build a really strong babyface trios team to even yeah. put up a fight with House of Black. I mean, I said when we were watching, I would have loved Adam Cole in the Undisputed Elite, like with Bobby Fish and Kyle yeah. O'Reilly, to possibly fight for that. Who knows what's obviously Bobby Fish isn't around anymore, but maybe Adam Cole joins forces with the two other guys. Who knows? But I mean, they yeah. got to build some strong babyface teams to face the House of Black. Maybe best friends in Orange Cassidy down the line. Hopefully, yeah, if they build the right build down the line. I think yeah. they're the logical choice. But besides them, you know, you still need to have a division that can actually go after these belts. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. where they go from there. Right. And Jeremy, to kind of going back to the Kenny stuff, um, I feel like with Tony Khan, if you if he's really scared that Kenny's going to leave, I think now's the time that you put him on like a world championship singles run. So. Start building him up against MJF at this point because if you don't really have Kenny and the Young Bucks doing anything going forward, then what's the incentive for all three of these guys sticking around? Do you have Kenny go after the title though and take it from MJF? I say you. If you're fearing him leaving the company, I guess, but I don't. I don't think so. I think you at least at the bare minimum put him in that match against MJF because he'll still be in the spotlight. Whether and then just have him lose like. Have them lose in a dirty way where MJF either uses a ring or have, you know, interference on for somebody that sticks around. And then, or maybe someone costs Kenny the match and then Kenny uh, jumps in like MJF retains, but then Kenny starts like another singles run against somebody else. And then as the nine months wears down, and then once it comes down to free agency time with him, then we'll see where his head's at. I think it's a interesting subject to talk about, and we'll talk about it a lot as we kind of get closer to to Kenny making his decision. And we'll talk about FDR later because there's someone else that um, seemed to have made their decision, but you know, Dax came on the podcast this week and said, uh, "Not so fast. Like we're we're signed through April, so we're gonna, you know, we'll be a part of that, but that's it for now. So stay tuned. So we'll see about Kenny." Uh, so next match was Soraya and Ruby Soho and Jamie Hayter for a triple threat. Uh, probably the weakest match on the card, but still wasn't a bad match in my opinion. I think it just got overshadowed a little bit by some of the other matches. Um, I think it got overshadowed by Tony Storm being out there. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Probably, probably true. <laughs> yeah, nice uh, jiggle. Tony Storm, uh, yeah. She's crushing it. I, I, I am very suspect though of Tony Storm and Soraya being the heels in this environment. For Soraya, I think it's a little bit more natural. For Tony Storm, I think it is something that's not necessarily fitting with her. That's just my opinion, so I don't know about that. But yeah, so this match, I, you know, I, I, I love Jamie Hader, so I'm, I was happy she retained and. You know, we move on. What I thought was cool at the end, you know, we got Ruby Soho turning basically to join Soraya and Tony Storm as kind of like the ex-WWE folk. So now we need that third AEW, it seems like third AEW woman to join the ranks against them in the three-on-three, which I'm sure we're getting soon. Either Dynamite Rampage over the next few weeks or we're getting it at the next, you know, TV 
probably they probably won't wait for double nothing, but it'll be on some TV feature uh, pretty soon here. So I'm interested to see that. You know, a lot of things we talked about were does Mercedes Monet make sense in that situation? Where was she gonna come out? She would, you know, logically fit in with the WWE people, so it didn't really make sense for her in that spot. Um, so I did think it was cool. Ruby Soho did did pull the the rug from under them and you know turned heel in a in a way. You know we'll see what happens with that feud. Uh, we'll see who Jamie Hader feuds with. I'm sure she'll kind of be stuck in between this Tony Storm, Soraya, and Ruby Soho angle for a little while more. But Jamie Hader wins again, the right winner, and uh, we'll see where we go from here. Yeah, this was a predictable one, like Jeremy said, probably the weakest match of the night. I think personally it was a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, I didn't think the match would be as good as it was. It had the right winner. It's too early for Jamie Hader to lose that title. Like Jeremy said again, the coolest part was when Ruby turned heel and joined Tony and Soraya. They need to stop doing the stupid L spray paint. I'll say that. I'm not a big fan of that. Um Somebody I was thinking that could join uh, Jamie Hader, though, would be Thunder Rosa. I, mm. I think I think she would make a lot of sense. She's an AEW girl, always has been. Um, she has heat been... with her and Britt. But... Right, right. I think they can squash mm-hmm. that for now. <laughs> Get back to yep. that later. But, yeah, I mean, it was a decent match. What was it? Probably 10 minutes. Um, Everything was over 10 minutes in the card, uh, right. on the card. Yeah, every match was over 10 minutes. Right, so, I mean, they gave them decent time. It, they had some cool spots during the match. I think all three women are, are still very good wrestlers, including Soraya, who just came back recently. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was an average match. Um, it was the only women's match on the card, too, which was pretty interesting that Jade Cargill didn't have a match. But we'll get into that later. But, yeah, Jamie Hayter was the right winner. That was very predictable. Yeah, this was probably the worst match on the card, but not a bad match overall. Predictable winner with Jamie Hayter with like the crucifix pinfall on Ruby. Ruby had some good spots in this match where I was like, wow, like she wasn't doing this in WWE. So she had some good showings out there. Tony Storm needs to go back to babyface because it just feels forced with her. Uh, if I didn't make a comparison, like Tony Storm kind of reminds me of like what John Moxley was in WWE, like when they would give him a script, whereas like the real John Moxley is let him just cut out, go off like cold turkey, go off the rip and just say whatever you want. With Tony, it just seems like every week the promos are forced. And like you said, Chris, the spray paint of the L is definitely lame. But the match overall was lame. okay. <laughs> yeah. The match. Yeah. <laughs> But the match overall was okay. Nothing special. Right winner. And then Jimmy Hader will just continue on with the belt for probably a couple more months or so till they figure out what they want to do with it. Yeah. I don't think they know what they want to do with it. They to don't. be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Their women's division is sure. still a train wreck, in my opinion. Agreed. But that, yeah, it's in shambles. Like, yeah. We'll have to figure that out. Gotta get uh, Sasha. Next match was uh... Mercedes. Yeah, Mercy. Monet. Uh, the next match was another incredible match on the card. So it was the Texas Death Match. Mm. Uh, what else do you have to say besides what the fuck are these guys doing? Um, <laughs> the physical pain and punishment in this match was well documented and uh, <laughs> very visible throughout, you know, 
they were both fucking bleeding up a storm between, you know, the head, the back. The shit in this match is stuff that you don't see on, like, the occasional pay-per-view. So, you know, if you're not a fan of blood, uh, you ain't watching this match. Uh, I mean, of course we knew John Moxley was going to bleed. But, uh, you know, everyone was bleeding and they were bleeding everywhere, so it seemed. Uh, but I was actually very entertained. You know, it, all jokes aside, the actual, like, it, it was tough to look away because it was it was like a train wreck. But it was a train wreck that you were so intrigued by because they were, you know, it, it was just in front of your face. And, you know, you just wanted to see how it would end, honestly. Uh, the ending of the match, too, was wild. You know, they got tons of offense, and I'll let them talk about specifics. But, you know, the ending... The chain, uh, basically hanging John Moxley to win, I thought was very uh, impeccable in terms of their timing because they definitely, you know, you didn't want to get stuck up there too long in terms of fucking actually hanging him. Uh, but also just, you know, it, it was very creative in the way that they did the match and the finish of the match was very creative. I did not, obviously, and I think these guys said that too, like when we were together, but I didn't love the quick tap by Moxley. I thought they were going to let him pass out. But besides that, honestly, the match, I, you know, it's definitely a nine out of 10 match for me in terms of like the quality that was like gripping and it was very entertaining. That's what I watched those types of matches for. And they delivered on that. Yeah. I, like I said last week in the prediction video, I think these are the two toughest guys in AW by far. And, you know, I'm a guy, these guys know that, I can watch injury videos all day long. I can watch blood videos all day long. <laughs> this was hard to watch at some points for me. It was extremely hard. The fork to the forehead of Adam Page, oh, yes. the blood just yep. dripping on Moxley as he's hitting him in the head with the fork. <laughs> so many barbed wire spots. Yeah. Um, it was just like disgusting at some points. Yeah. But like Jeremy said, you can't look away because it's, it's so entertaining. <laughs> it's, it's so hard to. Yeah. And Hangman Page definitely lived up to his name at the end with the win. Hangman, you know, hanging John Moxley for the win. Yeah, yeah. He lived up to that name. Him. And this is another match that, like, you know, it was so physical, and they they literally wanted to kill each other in that ring. And I'm not going to say that this was a predictable one, but Hangman definitely needed this more. John Moxley did not need this win. It does way more for Hangman. Um, so I think the the winner was right, but man, this was one of the most brutal matches I've ever watched live, and it was incredible. So on the last prediction video, I said Moxley was probably going to lose about fifty percent of his body weight and blood. I might have to up that to eighty percent after <laughs> what happened. This match was barbaric, and John Moxley just does not care. Same thing with Hangman. Those two went to war, like the spots they had, it looked just like the second coming of Mick Foley, like the board with uh, the barbed wire on it, the fork to the forehead just opened them up. There was one spot where um, Hangman was on the top rope and Moxie threw him off and Hangman almost missed the table completely, oh. got like the tail end of it on his back where I'm like, that was a spot where I was like legitimately concerned. The only thing I would say is in kind of what Jeremy touched base on, um, I was very surprised that Moxley tapped because his whole aura is to never quit. I mean, well, John Cena, but 
other than John Cena. John Moxley, I, his whole demeanor is just like, I don't care. I'm not going to quit. I'm surprised he tapped. I thought he was legit just going to pass out because that chain was wrapped around him like bad. And especially with like his weight leaned up against the rope, I thought he was immediately going to go to sleep and they were going to call it. Other than that, this match delivered. Um, I love these type of matches. The stipulation, like the violent, the blood matches, people, sometimes you're going to get mixed reaction. Like, oh, is it too much blood? Is there not enough blood? Well, if you were a fan of Attitude Era, then this shouldn't have been an issue with anybody. So the overall, this delivered. Right winner, in my opinion. And I think this elevates Hangman to be that next person for MJF, in my opinion. I think that's probably what this match leads to is uh, Hangman going, you know, to challenge MJF and be that baby face. I don't think he beats him, but it gives him an opponent for a while. Maybe they have a couple matches out of it and they kind of go from there. But I think that would potentially be your double or nothing match is MJF against Hangman. So I think that's probably what this lead will, will, will lead to. Um, you know, it, it, I, it's tough. I guess you could throw Kenny Omega in there and, and a couple other people, but I do think this leaves uh, Hangman as as your number one contender. So it seems for for MJF's title. So great match, long match, about twenty twenty five minute match. So obviously not as long as the main event, but the second longest match on the card. The next match, I feel bad for <laughs> Wardlow and Samoa Joe. Uh, not only because the TNT title just seems to be struggling these days, but also to follow that fucking match. Like, that is a very difficult spot to be in. So I thought they definitely kind of got the shit end of the stick, in my opinion, because... uh, And they went about 10 minutes, and it wasn't a bad match either. Uh, I also thought that was a decent match between the two, and Samoa Joe didn't seem to, like, gas out as much as he used to, or has been. Um, So I thought that was nice to see, but... Just a tough spot. Uh, for me, very predictable winner. So I had a feeling Wardlow would win. And I think we all picked Wardlow. This sets up the match with Powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, this is something I just want to talk about quickly is I think they just missed the ball with Wardlow when he was white hot, you know, maybe six, seven, eight months ago. And he was TNT champion. As soon as he won the belt, it seemed like he fell off a fucking cliff. And they had no idea what to do with him. So this, you know, I'm hoping maybe he gets some of this back, but it's tough to strike lightning in a bottle twice with the same guy. I'm not saying it can't be done, but, you know, sometimes you just miss the beat. Like, I'll use the Braun Strowman example for, uh, as an example. When Braun Strowman, you know, when he was fighting Roman Reigns back in the day, he was as over as he was probably ever going to be. And they didn't pull the trigger either. WWE missed that boat. And they gave Braun Strowman the title later against Bray Wyatt in a feud that was not great. And no one wanted to see him champion. So, you know, sometimes you just have to execute. When a guy gets super hot and, you know, for example, Sami Zayn, you know, they're not going to give him the title either. But when someone gets super hot, sometimes you really just have to go off of, okay, this is like one of the hottest things in the company right now. We need to pull the trigger. Let's do this and let's strap the rocket. Because if you don't, you're in this case, no one probably really gives a shit about Wardlow right now. And which is pretty sad because in terms of an athlete, in terms of someone that's one of their bigger guys in stature, but also one of their bigger guys in terms of draw, uh, it's unfortunate. So that, that I unfortunately think that for me overshadowed this match 
was him winning back the TNT title. First of all, I could care less because I don't care about the title. And second of all, like it makes me feel bad for Wardlow because of how how big of a spot he was already in. Yeah, he this match was pretty predictable once Powerhouse won that ladder match on Dynamite last week. So once that happened, we knew uh, that Wardlow was going to go over. And this definitely wasn't either of these guys' best matches by far. I think Wardlow can pretty much work with anybody. He's a guy who, for his size, should not be able to move as well as he does. He's just a freak. And Samoa Joe is a guy who I personally think works better with smaller guys. I don't think he's a guy that works good with like guys like Wardlow, Powerhouse. You know, when he was in his prime in TNA, he was working with Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles, Kurt Angle. He was working with guys smaller than him, and he put on yeah. fantastic matches. And yeah, he's a little bit older now, but he's pretty much in the same size as he was then. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was predictable. And it's too bad that they didn't pull the trigger when Wardlow was over. And I think something that has to do with it is that during that period... I think CM Punk might have been champion or maybe that was Hangman's first run. So I think the timing would have been difficult to pull the trigger. But like you said, sometimes you just have to go off script or whatever you have written down, rip it up, throw it out. This guy's so over the crowd loved him once he split from MJF. You need to capitalize on that. He could be in MJF shoes right now. If they and did. that's something they can go back to if they ever get right. there, like with the feud with the M- with MJF. But um, and I'm not saying he has to be world champion at that right. point, but he won the TNT title and then it seemed like nothing happened with him. They didn't, right. he was fighting henchmen each week. Like yeah. you shouldn't be doing that first no. of all as a champion after yeah. you've already been built up. Yeah. And you know, it's just some, it's so irritating to me. That booking was WWE-esque booking. Yeah. That's what that I was. I agree. Yeah. That match was probably under 10 minutes or so. Predictable outcome. He chokes out Samoa Joe. And yeah, with Warlow, the biggest mistake I feel like they made was they started because I think we can all agree that Dynamite is the superior show compared to Rampage. Like you can tell below, just look at the ratings. They started booking him on Rampage a lot against opponents that one, we didn't care about. And two, the show in general is unwatchable. That's where I think they messed up, where they, as soon as he beat MJF, they actually squashed MJF and won the pay-per-views. From that point on, they should have started elevating. They should have pushed him to the moon. I, like you guys said, maybe it doesn't have to be a title shot like the main one, but you got to elevate and build off that momentum, and they botched that heavily. As far as Samoa Joe, I agree that he works better with smaller guys because when he's up against like a powerhouse Hobbs, he wastes a lot of energy. And I think the biggest criticism with Samoa Joe is his gas tank. As far as like, you know, how long can he go? Can he go 10, 15 minutes? Can he go even as high as 20 minutes? Obviously he's not at that level anymore because of his age. But if you give him a smaller opponent, he's going to thrive better in that situation. But Warlow athletically is a freak. He does that running, um, I don't know what the movie he calls. He sprints up on the turnbuckle and then just like launches his whole body up there. That's one of his best moves he does. So overall, okay match, but we knew what was going to happen at the end of the day. Yeah. And then the match that followed was the Fatal 4-Way Tag Match. We had Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, Orange Cassidy and Danhausen, the Acclaimed and the Guns. Uh, the Guns go over here, so... Not surprising. They did do a good job in this match of definitely highlighting each team and also 
really when it came down to it, it seemed like like the last you know few minutes, at least four to five minutes of the match, was basically between the acclaimed and the guns, which I thought was important and I thought was really good. It gave you like an opportunity of okay, maybe the acclaimed do have a chance to win this match, and it didn't seem like a complete blowout. Uh, the guns did win, and then you know they got interviewed, so you're like, okay, maybe FTR is coming out. Sure enough, FTR's music hits, and they are back, so it seems for now in AEW. As I said before, from what Dax says, they are contracted through April, or starting, their contract ends in April. So they must be working, you know, whatever the matches they need to, to fulfill the contract. Who knows what's going to happen in the next month? You know, they could completely switch to WWE. From Dax's comments on the podcast, it seems like AEW is the spot for them based on what they really want out of a contract, in my opinion. And that's the opportunity to work house shows, indie shows, New Japan, those types of things. And also it gives them a better work schedule in terms of being with their families. So I think that's something that he mentioned on the podcast this week. So that's something we can take with a grain of salt, but I think they're going to go back to AEW and get this run. I also think that, you know, they're probably next in line in terms of the guns that, as I said a few episodes ago, it seems like the guns would be transitional champions. And it seems like FDR is coming for those spots. Yeah, this was a predictable one for me. I think I had a seven on the guns. I think the match itself was good. I think there was a lot of action. I know the three of us don't really give a shit about Jeff Jarrett. I mean, Jay Lethal's great in ring. Don't care about the pairing with him and Jeff Jarrett together. I don't care about Danhausen at all. So yeah, you know we're not there big was fans. Yeah, there's some sucks. people in this match that are careless to me. And but I thought the match was pretty decent. I mean, this was probably the second worst match of the night. It had the right winner, I think. I personally like the guns. The most action that happened was after the match, though, when FTR came out and Dax Harwood <laughs> got bloodied up, you know? Yeah, I, he got I, bloodied, he got bloodied up his ring. first time back, you know? So, yeah. like you said, transitional champions to get the belts off of them. I think they're good transitional champions. I'm glad that they got yep. a, a run as champs. Um, we'll see what's next. But, I mean, like you said, it seems like they're going to resign with AEW. It seems like that's their home right now because of the freedom that they're allowed there. Um, but we'll see. I think it was a good match, though. Yeah, it was solid. Um, I just don't like matches where, like, you kind of throw a bunch of tag teams together and you kind of know the outcome. Like, the acclaimed just lost the belts to them, so having them in there is pretty much a default that they weren't going to win the belts back. Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, like, no chance. And then um, Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen, it's like, come on, that was just like a random pairing that they threw, like, last minute on there. The guns are terrific. I'm a big fan of them as well. Um, some good spots, some nice high-flying maneuvers that they were utilizing. But, yeah, transitional champions, I feel maybe they'll have it for a couple more weeks, maybe even a month, and then I think FTR is coming for those belts afterwards. Yeah, so all in all, decent match there uh, for the tag belts. That leads into our main event, the 60-minute, or in this case, 65-minute Ironman match. Some are calling the best Iron Man match ever. I don't know. I, I have to really <laughs> I have to really think about it because it may be, honestly. It may be We should have a separate topic for that, a debate for that one. We'll see. You know, in terms of it being that, I'm not sure. 
but uh, the storytelling in this match was fantastic. There was a total of seven falls in this match, which I thought the one overshadowing of this was... That's a little too much in my opinion. I predicted a two-to-one finish, and I think that's where they should have left it in my opinion, but hey, that's just me. But seven falls is a lot, but they did a really good job, and the only thing I'll say about those seven falls... Once it was one to nothing, it seemed like those came really fucking fast and we couldn't really keep up and we didn't know what the, know what the actual fall count was. Yeah. Because when they hit 2-2, two, two, one was a DQ and then, uh, you know, the, the MJF roll-up. So it seemed like, uh, you know, that was quite questionable. So I was a little disappointed with that. But uh, the match as a whole uh, proved MJF could go with just about anyone and is should be considered one of the best wrestlers on the planet right now. And it showed Brian Danielson again, even in loss being able to really put on a show in terms of in-ring wrestling. Uh, it's tough for him to miss in the ring. That's, yeah. that's what I'll leave it. And I'll let you guys talk for a little while. Daniel Bryan didn't look like he broke a sweat to me. He could go all night if it came down to it. MJF obviously to me was not going to lose at this point of his championship run. And, you know, Ironman matches for me are so hard to sit through, especially the first half hour, you know, and they did a really good job of only having pretty much one fall up until the 35th minute. And then three more came out of nowhere to make it two to two within like two minutes. So I didn't like that part of the match. Obviously none of us did. I wanted personally maybe a two to one finish or even a one nothing in overtime finish um but you know the last 15 minutes of that match there was so much action mjf like jeremy said can go with anybody the guy's great in ring great on the mic he's the total package right now probably the best heel in wrestling maybe behind roman reigns um but i mean the match itself was fantastic I'll have to go back and rewatch other Ironman matches because I'm not going to say it was the greatest. <laughs> you know, that was the first one that I've seen, I think, live. Maybe I saw a couple more Ironman matches live. But like I said, I'm just the type of person who's not really interested in watching one match for an hour because yeah, the, there's a the lot of downtime. You know, there's a lot of laying down in the ring, a lot of just submissions that take up time, which is fine. I understand that's going to happen in an Ironman match. It's just not my cup of tea. But I think yeah. the match was still fantastic. It had the right winner. This does nothing to Daniel Bryan at all. This has no effect on him or, or his legacy. I think it just shows that at this stage of his career in his later 30s, almost 40, he's still got it no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, I think the most impressive thing to me was MJF because he put on a lot of muscle mass. And I was a little curious to see what it, how much would it deplete his like stamina for going an hour plus. And he looked good. Obviously, a couple water breaks, which is expected when you go an hour plus. And he delivered. Like, he was, he damaged his knees a lot during this match. He basically is a good worker. He helps out. He is a very safe worker, which he will put himself in harm's way. There were a lot of spots where he was damaged. And obviously, he had knee pads on, but still. Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson worked great like he always does. Him and MJF had great chemistry. The first, like, 10 minutes, it was very technical based in what they were the in-ring abilities from both of them were fantastic um of course we have to bring up mgf at one point in the match um had the water and he ended up dumping it on a kid which we'll talk about like later on on probably another show 
Um, but yeah, this delivered. Um, I figured it was going to be about four to three or like five to four, something on those lines. So I'm glad that they did up the pinfall count. I didn't like some of the like the back to back on a couple with MJF immediately. But other than that, this match delivered. These two were like the top guys in the company in ring wise. And then what MJF does on well roundedness is just uh, the most elite thing I've seen since probably back in the attitude era with Stone Cold and The Rock. Yeah, and I think, too, again, this proves to me, uh, even in defeat, uh, Brian Danielson can still go, but also another instance where this is his third time fighting for a world championship, and three times he will not be the winner. Uh, still, to me, it, it with, with Danielson, it seems like it's just wrong place, wrong time, so... Uh, we'll see moving forward what that looks like for him. And I'm sure he's fine putting, obviously, putting over young talent. And pretty much all the young guns went over on all the older folk uh, in this pay-per-view. So, you know, maybe that was the theme and that made sense. Uh, Danielson, to me, if he's not the best, he's one of the best uh, in wrestling today in terms of in-ring. And he showed you that again in, in terms of that. So I thought it really wrapped up in terms of a pay-per-view that had a lot of different things for a lot of different people uh, across the board did really well to really, you know, maintain excitement and, and really kind of put together these stories that they've been telling some of them strong, some not so strong, but ended up being strong uh, on this pay-per-view on this card. Any last minute thoughts you guys have about revolution uh, that we need to chat about? Yeah. Tony Khan had to make that main event about himself. Oh, yeah, that, that is what yeah. Khan says about. it's going to overtime. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, Tony. <laughs> I, I agree. That was a... that, that is the case. Um, it's It took away, like, for me, some of the match integrity. And, you know, when it was tied, it, you know, it just seemed to like, okay, it's going to go to overtime. But to book it that way, it... You know, I'd rather see it booked in the ring. Okay, no one could finish, and you know they're tied. Okay, let's just automatically go to overtime. Not bring the fucking guy out and just make him more. You know, I don't hate Tony Khan, but I don't love that. You know, his ego is just a little bit too big that he has to be in that spot to be calling that match that type of way. He wanted and, a cheap you know, pop. it's a yeah, it's a it's a nitpick thing, but you know, fair enough. Yeah, it didn't affect yeah, the other cheap pop. The other. The other cheap pop to me is I'm still, like, not convinced that he didn't have any say in MGF throwing water on the kid. Like, I'm sure there were conversations prior that, you know what, let me get in there and do that. Because in a way, though, the more that does, that's going to boost AEW's ratings. And it's a cheap way to do it because now, probably tonight, you're probably going to see a very high rating for Dynamite tonight because of the fact that, all right, what's going to happen with MGF? Are they going to address what happened? Like, more eyes are going to be on MGF now because of that incident. And there was a report immediately that TK talked to MJF immediately after the show, right before the press conference. So little stuff like that gets under my skin with TK, but he knows how to book a great pay-per-view and he delivered again. So I would say probably seven and a half. I don't want to maybe eight because there were some duds, but overall though, I thought the matches that we expected to be good over exceed expectations, especially the Iron Man match and the um, Texas death match. One more thing that I do. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Chris. I was going to just say one more thing I do want to mention. Two of my favorite things in wrestling right now 
is Roman Reigns without a mic in the ring during a match and MJF mm-hmm. in the presser after a pay-per-view. Two of my yes. absolute favorite things right now in wrestling. Dude, dude those, pickles, those pickles must have been good. <laughs> hey, fuck, hey, fuck face. Want a pickle? Get over here. This is perfect. I uh, also want to plug myself. I did secure the second victory in the predictions, uh, so I did take home the the win for Revolution as well. So yep. as it stands, I have won two. Chris has won one. Sean is yet to get on the board, but maybe next time. Um, so our next Oops, opportunity like... will will be most likely it'll be WrestleMania. So we'll be doing a split card, night one and night two. Uh, we'll be at those, but we'll do our predictions beforehand. So let's switch gears now that we're kind of, uh, you know, at that point. Let's jump into trivia, uh, part two. So the gentlemen will uh, have their question. I'll read the questions. They will answer like we did last time. Uh, we will go over the answers. If it is multiple choice, I will let you know that it's multiple choice. And then we'll go from there. How are we feeling, guys? Trivia round two. Ready. Love trivia episodes. Ready. Trivia is the best. Sean's, so much fun. Sean's been studying. I know it. After yeah, that Yeah, Sean's last been time. studying. Trying <laughs> to get back from last time. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I try not to study too much because sometimes like, it's one of those things where like, you expect one way, then Jeremy can go the complete different route to, on what to like approach as far as a question. So never know. Expect the unexpected. So it is still WrestleMania themed. After this one, I may go to uh, just wrestling as a whole, just random wrestling trivia. But at least the first two parts will be WrestleMania themed. So question one, we'll get started. Uh, how many wins does Edge have at WrestleMania? Ooh. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. Let me do the math in my head. <laughs> hmm. I think I got it. Not confident, but I'm gonna. I can't. One second. <laughs> take your time. I think I'm ready, and Sean? I do have my sharpie and my paper to to hold up my answer as well. Okay, perfect. Sean, we'll okay, I'll, first. I'll I'll go first. Then I'm gonna say three. Wins. Chris? Wins. WrestleMania wins. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Three? <laughs> you know he said edge, right? Yeah. Maybe I'm just not a maybe maybe there's a bunch that I'm just I have Chris, eight. It is eight wins at WrestleMania for Edge. Don't forget the two with Edge and Christian. <laughs> Sean's my friend. so confused. <laughs> Sean, there's the two TLC matches, right? Yep. Count them you out have first. he beat Booker. Well, I only had one. The one, what was the second TLC one? Obviously, the one where he speared, um, hard, oh, yeah, then the one with Christian. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Both, both TLCs. There was two, T- there was one yep. Mania 16 and 17, and then he beat Booker at 18. He won Money in the Miss Bank. Up. He beat, yeah, Alberto. He beat Randy Jericho. Orton. He beat. Jericho? No, he lost to Jericho. Lost to Jericho, but he was against Jericho. But he was against Jericho. He beat McFoley. Yeah, 
there were a lot I missed. Yeah, the Mick Foley one, I, that one. But there was there moving is a on. bunch that I moving on, moving on. Yeah, moving on. on. Moving on. Sean didn't know Edge wins. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart is the longest match in WrestleMania history, over an hour and one minute. What is the second longest match in WrestleMania history? And to the minute, can you tell me how long it was? So two-part question, so you get two points. Can you name the match, and can you tell me how long the match was? These are tough questions you're coming up with this time. (laughs) Yeah. If it's easy, everyone would do it. Not here on the Mount (laughs) Rushmore Wrestling Podcast trivia. Not here. Is this a two-pointer you said? This is two two points. The question is, how many... Wait, was it that? And you said the second longest at WrestleMania, correct? That is correct. So I'm trying to wonder, were there more than one Iron Man match? I think I have my guess ready whenever Sean's good. Just give give me a little... Like thirty seconds, you saw. Do, 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 <laughs> yeah, start playing the Jeopardy music in here. <laughs> Adrenaline and Russo. <laughs> All right. All right, Sean. What I, got? I'm also not confident in this one, but I'm gonna say Triple H versus Undertaker in the Hell in a Cell, and I'm gonna say thirty-six minutes. No, sorry, thirty-eight minutes. Okay, good guess. I have Chris. The Fatal Four Way from Mania 16. It was Triple H, Rock, Big Show, and McFoley, and I have 39 minutes and 43 seconds. Okay. So, Sean, you were almost correct on the time. You are closer because it was 36 minutes Ooh. and 35 seconds. It was actually WrestleMania 36. Does anyone know the match? Oh, oh Edge and Orton. Edge and it was Orton. Edge and Randy Orton. That's right. Yes. Oh. So that is the second longest match. So, Sean, you get one point for the time because you were the closest on the time. But it was Edge right. versus Randy Orton. One more. Uh, the two. next question. Which two superstars are involved in the only cage match at WrestleMania? There's only been one. Steel cage match. And you will get a point if you get them both. So you get two points for this question as well. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up, Chris. We need to do something in the time when we're just sitting here thinking. <laughs> oh, don't know if you guys have AW on right now, but Pretty Ricky's in the ring. Oh, nice. Ooh. Is he kind of promo? We yeah. usually don't uh, film on uh, Wednesdays, folks, but uh, Monday night we couldn't because we usually do a, a Monday night session before. Do you, are, uh, do you guys so have it on right now? Applications. I don't. I don't. Wow. Who's in there? He just got right. attacked by someone from Bullet Club. Oh, Juice Robinson, yeah. I think. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe yeah. Jay White? No, it's not Jay White. Maybe Jay White coming back, though? Wow. Coming First time ever live on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're giving you a live commentary. Wow. Sean, you got your answer? I think so. Okay, hit me with it. I'm going to say Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Good guesses, Chris. I have 
Hulk Hogan, King Kong Bundy. It was Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy at WrestleMania, the only cage match that there has ever been. Uh, well done, Chris. That's two points for you. So, my next question, what is the only WrestleMania to not feature a WWE Championship match? Oh, wow. I didn't even know that this happened. <laughs> to not, not feature. Question either. It did not feature a WWE Championship match. Both genders, correct? Like, regarding both genders overall? Let's, it's the world championship, so let's do the men. <laughs> I'm still thinking. It's got to be an earlier one, that's my guess. <laughs> A lot of silence. Silence is deafening. Oh, I think <laughs> I, I, I think I got it. All right, Sean, go ahead. Was it Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam Bigelow? No, no, no. Which WrestleMania did not have a title match? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I messed up the question. You were right about that main event, though. <laughs> that did not have a championship. I'm at uh, WrestleMania 11. Chris? I'm going to say WrestleMania 2. It was WrestleMania 1, the first ever oh, WrestleMania. Wow. Oh, there wow. Was no... If you remember the main event of that match. Oh, was yeah, it the tag I'm match of Hulk, Hulk, Hulk Hogan and Roddy Hulk Piper? Yep. Yeah, Mr. T, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so it was Mania 1. Okay, so... What WrestleMania was the first in the, in the history of WrestleMania to have two superstars going by their actual names in the main event? Oh, my. So their actual names, like their given names, not their wrestling names. Ooh, that's a tough one. I will give you a hint. It is after WrestleMania 12. And this you is asked, the main you, event. You said what superstars, correct? Yes. Okay. Can you name, first of all, this is again a two-parter. Name the WrestleMania. And if you can give me both names, I'll give you an extra point. I'm bringing the heat with the questions, boys. Yeah, these are, this is, these are good ones. I have my answer. I think I got my answer. Okay, Sean, go ahead. Was it WrestleMania 19, Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar? It was WrestleMania 19, Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar. I also Lesnar. had that. Two points. Okay, Chris had that yep, as well. I also had you both that. get two points. Big wins for you both. Very well done. I thought that was a very interesting one. I, I never knew that, to be honest. If you didn't give me, if you didn't give us the hint, I don't know if we would have got it, to be honest. Yeah, I would have, because uh, my favorite WrestleMania. Score update. I was it say, is, I'd be disappointed, Sean. <laughs> it is five to three to for a score update. Okay, perfect. Who's up right now? Me. Okay. If I was um, losing, I wouldn't have given a score update. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. Owen Hart. You know that Chris cheats. <laughs> yeah. Owen Hart has left WrestleMania three times as a champion. What title was he holding all three of those times? Uh, I think this is a trick question. <laughs> this is a tough one. I what think. Was it this one? No, I'm going to say this one. Ooh, this is tough. 
All right, I have my answer. I'm going to... I'm not going to be happy if it's the answer I scribbled out. <laughs> I have my answer, too. Okay, Sean? I'm going to say, was it the European title? Chris? I also have European. It was the tag team titles. He's left WrestleMania three times as part of a tag team. And wow. Belts. I didn't have I didn't have that written down, so. Yep. Um, so next question. Which tag team has the most matches at WrestleMania? That's part one. And can you tell me how many matches they've had at WrestleMania as a tag team? Okay. So what team and how many matches? Hmm. Now, when you say attacking, this is collectively together, right? Yes. Okay. This is this is a tough one. Because there's a lot of teams yes. that I can think of. Same. No easy ones here in the streets. <laughs> Ooh. How many did they win? No. <laughs> I don't think I like this question. <laughs> I don't like it either. Because the I'm answer I'm writing is the obvious gentlemen. pick. It's the obvious pick, but I don't know if it's the obvious. We probably had the same one then. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. I'll it depends. It's probably... I'll give, it's you, probably... I'll give you guys didn't. a little while longer. Yeah, just a little bit. All right, I'm going to say this one. And how many times have they been in tag matches? I'm ready. I'm ready, too. All right, Sean. I'm going to say the Hardys and the number nine. Holy. Nine. Okay. (laughs) Chris? I have the Hardys at six. Okay, Chris, you have the correct number, but the wrong team. So you do get a point for the number. Okay. It's the Hart Foundation, and they have six matches at WrestleMania. Oh, wow. Another team I was thinking was... I was thinking Dully Boys, too. I wasn't sure about the New Age Outlaws. Okay, yeah. Yep, so it was the Hart Foundation was six. Okay. Uh, WrestleMania has been held most... On what date, what specific date on the calendar holds the most WrestleManias? Interesting. Chris, you ready? Yeah. Go ahead, Sean. I'm gonna I'm gonna say April first. Chris, April second. It is April second that has held oh. the most WrestleManias. Oh my god! You were very close, Sean. <laughs> Okay. Jeremy sent me the questions yesterday. <laughs> I, I bet he did. What surprised me? <laughs> okay, this next question is a multiple choice. And I think someone has mentioned this already. Which WrestleMania was held across three venues? So three different places. So was it A, WrestleMania 2? Was it B, WrestleMania 3? Was it C, WrestleMania 4? Or was it D, WrestleMania 5? I think I got it. Not confident, but I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. Go ahead, Sean. I'm going to say C, WrestleMania 4. Chris? 
see WrestleMania 4? So it was not WrestleMania 4. It ah. was A, WrestleMania 2, held across wow. three venues. The next question I have is true or false? WrestleMania's 4 and 5 were at the Trump Plaza. True or false? I'm ready. Whenever Sean. I'm ready. I'm okay. gonna say I'm gonna say false. Chris? True. It is false. Oh so they what? were at, yeah, they were actually supposed to be booked at the Trump Plaza, but they were actually at the Atlantic City Convention Hall instead of the Trump Plaza for both Dang. WrestleMania four and five. So that's a point for Sean. That is a point for Sean. So uh, seven four. question. So yeah, we are seven, halfway four. through. Uh, who holds the record for most WrestleMania matches in one night? I will give you a point for that, and I will give you how many matches. I'm going to give you a multiple choice for this as well. So it's A, Hulk Hogan, B, Ultimate Warrior, C, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, or D, Macho Man. Randy Savage. So that part of the question for actually who it is, you get a multiple choice. You can tell me how many matches and you will in one night and you can get an extra point. I'm going to say Ultimate Warrior for three. Chris? I have Macho Man for three. So Macho Man is the correct answer. And he had four matches in one night. Oh, my at God. Wow. Yeah, it was a part of that tournament. Um, I, th I thought it was a tournament. I yep. can't remember how many matches, though. Exactly, yeah. So it was four matches. What Mania uh, was that? Macho was that a Mania 2? I believe that was... Oh, God. You're questioning my... Um, the total wrestling time mustn't probably wouldn't have been that long if he was in four matches. That's yeah. that's a lot. A lot of wrestling time. I think it was WrestleMania 2, but don't quote me on that, to be honest. I'm not too sure. I'll double-check that answer for you. I know I'm not as up-to-date on the older Manias either. Uh, so what was the first WrestleMania hosted in Canada? Uh, we have a multiple choice as well. We have A, WrestleMania 5, B, WrestleMania 6, C, WrestleMania 8, or D, WrestleMania 9? I think I'm ready. Me too. Okay, Sean. C. WrestleMania 8. Okay, Chris. C, WrestleMania 8. Okay. It's B, WrestleMania 6. Oh, okay. First one in Canada. For some reason, I thought... 18 was i don't know why that my head literally went 18 but that's because that was one of the first i saw <laughs> yeah true true yeah we are coming from a different time folks so don't tell right. us about the old wrestlemania tri trivia um the next question was what was the first Ooh. wrestlemania to have two women's matches featured on the card two women's matches i'm ready whenever you're ready sean think i'm ready Sean, i'm gonna ready? say wrestlemania 21 chris i have wrestlemania 20 it is wrestlemania 20 
as the first WrestleMania to have two women's matches. What were the matches? Well done, Chris. Chris, you want to tell us the matches? It was um, Victoria versus Molly in the hair versus hair match. Versus hair. And then there was yep. a tag team match. It was like an evening gown match, I think, with Good Lord. Jackie and somebody versus Tori and Sable. Correct. I don't remember who the fourth person was. Those were the two matches. Um, I think it was Jackie and Stacey. Well I don't know. <laughs> well done, Chris. Uh, how many matches? So this is another women's based question. How many matches included women? Were including women at WrestleMania thirty four? How many matches at WrestleMania thirty four included women? Yes. Is this um? Are we including like pre show all that stuff too, or just main card or the whole entire show? The whole card. Okay. I'm ready. Yep. Go ahead, Sean. I'm going to say 13. <laughs> no, that included So the whole women. card. <laughs> the whole card included women? <laughs> for, for, hold on, for number of matches? How many the matches? The number of matches that women. included women in the match. Oh, I'm, I, thought we were, I thought you meant how many matches include women's matches. I'm sorry. No. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm s- no, I missed it. Inclu- were included women on the card. I'm sorry. Let me. That's okay. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say two. How many? How many? Two. Two. Okay. Chris, I have four. The answer is four matches. So the matches were Charlotte and Asuka. Yep. Naomi won the Women's Battle Royal. Nia Jax defeated Alexa Bliss. And the last match was the mixed tag team match, which was Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle and Triple H and Stephanie. So good on you, Chris. The next match is a multiple choice. Uh, who has the most consecutive losses at WrestleMania? So consecutive losses. I will also give you a point if you tell me how many losses that it is. So A, Shawn Michaels. B, Ultimate Warrior. C, Goldust. Or D, Triple H. And tell me how many losses that it is. That's a good question. It is... Consecutive losses. All right, I'm ready whenever. Almost there. All right, I think I got it. All right, Sean. I'm gonna I'm gonna say triple H, and I'm gonna say five consecutive. Chris, I said Gold Dust at four. Okay, Chris got it correct. It is Gold Dust. But it's 10 losses. <laughs> 10 losses? Wow. <laughs> oh my God. It's supposed to be like the early. Yeah, my jaw was dropping when I saw 10 in a row. So That's definitely not good Dustin's for Goldust. baby boy. Yep. Exactly. No kidding. No. Uh, the next one, by closest guess, 
Can you tell me how long was Asuka's undefeated streak before Charlotte beat her at WrestleMania 34? In terms of days, how long was it? And I will give a point to whoever is closest. Okay. Go ahead, Sean. I'm going to say 380 days. Okay. Chris? I have 535. Okay, so you are closer, but the total amount of days was 914 days. Whoa! Holy (laughs) shit! (laughs) Damn, she's traveled chief territory! Yeah, then Charlotte ruined it. Yeah, 914 Uh, days was broken. Oh my god. Oh, I did not know that. So Chris gets the point because he's closer, but he was still very off. (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't even close. Uh, so again, this is another question. Closest guess. What is the attendance record at WrestleMania oh. for the most attended WrestleMania? Well, they break it every year. <laughs> <laughs> so to the closest amount of people okay. you can get, what is, what is the attendance record at WrestleMania? I'll give you a bonus if you can Very guess random. what WrestleMania they have it at. Oh, okay. It's the WrestleMania in the attendance record. Do you want um what how about another bonus for the stadium? Ever... No. Just the WrestleMania <laughs> and the attendance record. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's a good one. Go ahead. I'm gonna you crazy ready? Yep. Alright, I'm gonna say WrestleMania 32 and I'm gonna say eighty-two thousand. Chris? I said WrestleMania thirty-eight at a hundred and one thousand. So it was WrestleMania thirty-two. Oh. Chris was closer on the guess. It was a hundred and one thousand seven hundred and sixty-three. Damn. From WrestleMania I had, 32. I had 101 620. Wow, that was <laughs> wow. very close. Wow. Jesus. Yeah, that was basically so, to the to the point. So one point so each. Both get a point there. Yep. Yep. Okay. So true or false, Stone Cold has defended the world title at WrestleMania. I'm good. Also good. True. False. It is false. He has never defended the world title at WrestleMania. I know it one of them was against. He's never defended. Trying. Oh, so Shawn must have been champion when they fought, and then oh, I thought he. Def- I thought he was champion on one of the Rock trilogies for some reason. No, he did not defend. So Chris does get the point for that. Uh, I have another true or false. True or false. About 74% of main event champions lose their title at WrestleMania. Ooh, interesting. Oh, we're going to have to do some math here. <laughs> <laughs> 74% of... Can you reread that one more time? Yep. True or false, about 74% of main event champions 
lose their title at WrestleMania? Think I'm ready. Sean? You, Chris? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say false. I'm going to say false. Okay. Chris? I said true. It is true. 74% <laughs> of champions, main event champions, lose their title at WrestleMania. Wow. That's a lot. Which I thought was a, an alarming rate. I figured it would be around wow. like 60. Yeah, 74%. Yeah. Okay, this is the last question we're timing in that. So with the Undertaker streak broken, who holds the longest streak without losing at WrestleMania? And how many matches? So I will give you a point for the who, and I will give you how many matches they have won without losing. Wow, that's a good question, too. I don't know if either of you will get who. You may be able to guess how many matches. We'll see. That's a very good question. You said since the Undertaker's streak was broken? It's not necessarily like a person that is in the last you know, 10 years that they broke it. Like, since the Undertaker streak is broken, who holds the record for most non-losses? So how many matches have they won, and who holds the record for, for being undefeated at WrestleMania? I can't even think. I don't even know. <laughs> Honestly, I can't even think of somebody. So you're saying, it's undefeated. So you're saying since he lost, like currently. Because, like the Undertake, be, because the Undertaker lost. Yes, it's all time. Okay. okay Who okay. has the record and how many matches? This is a hard question. I don't even know. If I wouldn't have sense. got this answer if I was competing in the trivia. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> this is very, this is an interesting one. It's tough. I'm going to throw Somebody. it out there. Yeah. Go ahead, Sean. Hulk, Hulk Hogan, five. Okay, Chris? I said Edge at six. So, it is RVD, and it's four. <laughs> Edge has uh, lost to Mania. Oh, he lost oh, to Roman. Oh, 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 right, right, right. So Roman's got Roman. Yeah, he lost. Roman's, a lot. Yeah, Roman's got to be in the ballpark. Oh wait, no, he didn't compete at thirty six because oh, yeah, that's yeah. So never mind. I was gonna say he's probably around that four territory, but Roman's I forgot. Yeah, yeah, thirty four. Yeah, so RVD has is four zero at WrestleMania. Is the longest. Oh, why didn't I say right Michael now? Cole at one and zero? Shout out to Michael. Better answer than Edge, but, uh... Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee. So let's no, get he a lost score, score check. So oh, that bullshit match. Yeah. Score check oh, that. was uh, 15 to 5. Okay. Wow, Chris really wanted away a little bit this episode. Mm-hmm. It's okay. We're going to move back to part three, I believe, will be trivia from all of wrestling. So I'll kind of mix in some random things because we've done a lot of WrestleMania trivia and we've kind of gone through there. So part three and maybe part four, I'll do both... Uh, parts as random wrestling trivia just for for fun stuff so we'll get into that and we'll take the score at the end thank you all for hanging in with us for another episode Uh, we really appreciate you Uh, follow us again on social media our youtube our first video just went up uh so to do the review we will have youtube videos now for for this episode 
yep. uh, for our review and our uh, trivia. We'll, we'll probably separate them because we're doing them in parts. So thanks again for joining us. Another successful episode. We appreciate you. And you all have a good one.